So Exodus 4. Exodus 4. So uh, we last week ended off with Moses uh, at the burning bush, which is on fire. He's there. He's um, tending to his his father-in-law Jethro's sheep, and he has them on the backside of the of the desert, the Arabian desert, and he sees a uh, a a bush on fire that's not being consumed, and he says, "I've got to go over there. I've got to go see what this is." And then the Lord has a conversation with him, introduces himself to him, which is so awesome. And uh, they have this discussion, and uh, he's. Uh, the Lord is saying that he knows what's happening in Israel and uh, that he wants to save them. So this is the conversation that's happening. And uh, Moses is being told that uh, God wants to use him uh, to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt. So uh, that's it's quite a thing to uh, for, for him, who's, uh, who's 80 years old at this point, and he's dealing with uh, he's, you know, he's out there. He's, it says that he was content to be in his, in his father-in-law's household. And I think we're all content when things are nice and smooth. And, um, you know, you're in, uh, I'll just say retirement of whatever mode, you know, uh, because oftentimes people look forward to retirement because that's where the, uh, the relief from stress comes and, Hey, I'm just going to go live on a beach or I'm going to go fish and I'm going to go do this or that. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> my wife's ready to go on the beach, but, uh, but there's the mindset of, I'm just, uh, it, th that's how it's going to be. He's 80 years old at this point, 80. And, uh, the Lord comes to him and tells him he wants to use him to deliver his people, uh, Israel. So that's where we are when we pick up in verse one, where it says, then Moses. So it's, it's almost like having a, however, or therefore, uh, right here. It's, it's, uh, there's a transition word here that says, then Moses answered and said, but suppose that they uh, will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. <laughs> I would too. Uh, uh, verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That uh, they that they may believe that uh, the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So Moses, in carrying on the conversation, starts asking a question of the Lord. And what we'll see here is that this isn't really a true question like, Lord, what's going to happen? This is really Moses saying uh, that he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> so, you know, Moses is uh, mentioning, you know, he's saying, I don't want to believe it. Uh, so we see an expression of doubt is really when you dig under what's happening here. Uh, and that will unfold very quickly in our study this evening. Numbers 1123 uh, says, and the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now uh, you shall see whether I, uh, what I say will happen or not. Uh, so when he's being told, hey, you're going to go tell these things to Egypt, uh, to the you know, people in Israel in Egypt, that, that uh, you're going to deliver them. And, and when that happens, uh, it, 
you just go do these things. And Moses has this doubt and he doesn't want to do it, right? So what we see happening here is he's basically telling the Lord that he's not enough. You know, so when you consider the question that's, that the Lord asks Moses in Numbers eleven twenty three, has the Lord's arm been shortened? You know, that was a question of provision. And, you know, is God is God not able to do that? Is he not strong enough? Can he not reach? Can he not perform his will? Can he not do what he said he's going to do? And, uh, you know, that's a uh, it's a um, it's a question of, you know, whether God's power is enough for any situation. So when Moses is asking this, he's saying, yeah, I know you're saying that, but are they really going to listen to me? And, uh, you know, uh, you know, when you think of uh, of who he is and, and what he has proven when we can look back, uh, but even what Moses would have uh, would have known that was passed down because he knew he was he was of Jewish descent. So these stories um, would have uh, to a certain degree, he would have he would have heard some of these things, uh, but he, he was in the house of. Of, of Pharaoh. So to give him a little bit of credit, we don't know what he did know, but he did know who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. Uh, because when I, I am the God of these uh, of, of these men that came before you, uh, there was, uh, he understood that meant something. And he's also talking to a bush that's on fire that's not being consumed. So, uh, you know, as, as Moses is uh, considering these things, uh, you know, uh, God starts explaining to him uh, that uh, he has the strength and he's, and he's showing him in the explanation. It's a, it's a, a demonstration of, of God's power is the explanation. And he gives him three examples here, three signs that God is who he said he is and that he has the power to work in and through Moses' life. You know, where, where God, uh, you guys have heard it said in, in Calvary Chapel, no doubt, he, where God guides, he provides. This is exactly what Moses had to believe, where, where God was guiding him uh, into Egypt that wanted to murder him, uh, that, that he would have to trust the Lord to provide what he said he was going to. So the first of the three signs here is the serpent. So God you know, asks him, you know, what is that in your hand? And he says, a rod. And he tells him to throw it on the ground and it turns into a snake, right? So it turns into a serpent. Moses flees from it, right? I, I actually, right before service, I heard uh, Casey and Conger talking about uh, a venomous snake that's in Maine. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think we had any. And Casey said, yeah, Will told me all about it. And I'm like, I was better off not knowing that, you know? <laughs> so it's some sort of, uh, what is it? A, a timber rattlesnake or viper? Okay, so we have a timber rattlesnake in Maine. Didn't know that. Don't want to ever encounter one. But I don't want to get close to them. You know, I'm not a, a snake, uh, you know, guy that's going to, you know, charm a snake and and uh, grab a hold of them. I, at the school I work at, some guy had all these, you know, uh, pythons with him or boas or whatever they were. They were huge, and I didn't want it wrapped around my neck. He's like, you want to hold it? Absolutely not. That thing can choke me out, right? So, you know, there's a snake there, and obviously Moses, being in the desert, doesn't want to be around a snake. That's, he's familiar with snakes. When he sees this snake, he wants nothing to do with it, and he jumps away from it. And God tells him to grab a hold of it. So he, he reaches out his hand, and he grabs the snake, and it turns back into the rod that was in his hand. And God was showing him something there that he has the power uh, to do what he said he was going to do. And he also has the power over creation. You know, you have a stick in your hand. I can give that stick life and make it a snake. 
you know, so that's, that's actually, it's, it's another lesson for Moses. So, um, the, uh, the Lord is showing his power over creation and doubt that those things are being uh, displayed here. So verse six says, furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. So, you know, inside your, your, uh, his, his, whatever he was wearing for a robe or whatever. And he put his hand in his bosom and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Moses is having a crazy time out. He's, he's talking to this burning bush and, uh, you know, the, his rod just turned into a snake and then back to a rod. Now he puts his hand in and now he's got leprosy on his hand. I mean, this is a crazy uh, encounter. This isn't something that we would, uh, you know, in an everyday encounter, uh, you know, have happen in our lives. So no doubt he's going to remember every part of what happened here. Uh, and he said, God, uh, verse seven, continuing, uh, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom and drew it out again. Out, drew it out of his bosom, so and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Now, you know when he put that hand, he was ready to jam that hand right back in. He's like, okay, he made the snake back into the rod up, as fast as he could. That arm went in there. That wasn't like, cool, this is my bionic arm. No, this is my arm that's rotting to death, you know, and he's shoving that back in there. And I wanted nothing to do with that. Verse 8, then it will be if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign that they may believe the message of the latter sign. So Lord is showing power over his body. And uh, we'll see here uh, in our study that Miriam, uh, Moses' uh, sister, learns the same lesson. And uh, verse 9 says, And it shall be if they do not believe even uh, these two signs or listen to your voice that you shall take water from the river and pour it uh, on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood and dry on dry land. So God is explaining that he has the power uh, over even water and blood in creation. That, that you would take water, pour it out, and it would be blood. That's not something that happens on a, on a normal occasion either, right? So the Lord is saying, hey, Moses, if they don't listen here... Uh, then, uh, so you notice, uh, you know, as the Lord is showing him something with the first two, there was a question with it. He's like, okay, uh, if, if they're not going, uh, you know, what is that in your hand? And, and Moses has to reply, it's a rod. And God shows him, well, you think that rod is just a rod. Look what I can do with it. And then, uh, he says, uh, he, he, tells uh, Moses again, he says, you know, put your hand in your bosom. So Moses, again, this wasn't a question, but Moses had to do something. And so it, it's another point of God proving uh, that Moses, you, you, you think this, but this is actually what I can accomplish. And, and so that happened on the first two. And then the third one, he says, and if they don't listen, I can turn the water into blood also. Turning water into blood would kill everything that was in the water, right? Uh, because it's not used to processing uh, blood uh, through it and everything. That's a very, um, uh, very powerful thing that would happen. So the Lord is saying, hey, if they don't listen to you, just know that you need to trust me that I can take care of all these things. You just need to do what I'm telling you to do. So there's the, the call to trusting the Lord and obeying him. Verse 10, then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent of speech. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who has made the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? 
Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. So this is another glimpse into we're seeing that Moses is just not trusting the Lord. There's still a problem happening in Moses' heart because the first thing he says here, after the Lord just does all these things, and he had just seen, and you know I've said this, I'm going to sound like a broken record, seeing is not believing. He just saw a rod that was in his hand changed into a, um, into a snake and then turned back into the rod, right? And he jo- just saw his hand go from healthy to leprous to healthy again. All of those things didn't deal with the doubt and the uh, the uh, his will, submitting his will uh, to the will of God. Uh, it, it, none of that had still happened in his heart. It, it hadn't yet happened, I should say, in his heart. He was still just ready to argue with the Lord. I don't know. And I say this. This is this would probably be human pride coming out, but I think I'm just going to listen to the Lord at that point. But I don't know. You know, I don't want to trust my heart enough to say I never would have. Guess what? What happens when we say I never will? Right. So uh, so uh, Moses is is now at just telling the Lord, well, I'm not adequate in speech. You notice the Lord didn't ask him if he could speak. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, Moses, can you talk? Can you? T- I need you to speak. And then after you speak, I need to find out if you're the guy. Right. When the Lord sent Samuel to Jesse's house, you know, all the ones that were there that that uh, uh, were brought forward were the ones that Jesse thought uh, the, the sons of Jesse that were brought forward first were the ones that Jesse thought might be the ones. Right. And they weren't the ones. It was the guy out tending the sheep. Remember when Israel demanded a king and uh, and the Lord, they, the Lord had pled, uh, pleaded with them and uh, they just said they wanted him. And okay, you get a king, and it's the one you think you want, right? He's head and shoulders above everybody. Good-looking guy. He's the guy that you would want for a king, right? And he finds out. They find out soon that he's not the king you want, and the king that you need to lead you spiritually, most importantly. So it's not a spiritual resume that the Lord is seeking. It's a a willing heart that's going to follow him and trust him as what the Lord's seeking. So Moses is, you know, you know, he wasn't getting the message regarding God's power. And he's it's funny because he's literally arguing with the great I am by saying I'm not right. (laughs) God, God, he just said, well, who should I say uh, sent me? And God says, I am that I am. Right. And uh, you should tell them I am sent me. And now here's Moses saying, I am not eloquent. It's just a funny thing that as you read through the scripture, uh, how our hearts are, are just where we're sometimes numb as a post. But, um, you know, God's response to a man's doubt uh, in rebellion is who has made man's mouth? You know, and, and God goes on to say, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, who has made the, the mute, the deaf, the seeing, the blind? What God is saying is that he is in control over all creation and over mankind. God is saying that he is the one that created man and that he is the sole creator. He doesn't say, who is one of them that created man? Who is the one? Who is who is the one that created? I have to look at this now. Uh, who has made man's mouth? Who has? Have not I, said the Lord, right? Wasn't it me? So God making that declaration, he is saying that he is the sole creator and that notice who has made him. Guys, in 2017 minutes, that vote is supposed to happen regarding human life in this state. 
And we know that the scripture says that God creates human life inside the womb. A few verses for us to consider. Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21 says, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to thing, uh, say uh, to him who formed it, Why have you made me thus? Does not the potter have power over the clay? From the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? You guys remember the blind man in, in John chapter 9. The disciples asked, Who sinned, Lord, this man or his parents? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Job 38 verse 4 says, when, uh, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have any understanding. God is claiming to be the God of all creation. And that he laid the foundations of the earth, that he makes everything. And who is the, the clay to say to the potter, why have you made me thus? Jesus said that the man born blind was not blind because of any sin that he committed or the sins that his parents committed. But that he that what when he was born, he was born blind for the glory of God. Right. Last uh, verse I have for you. Uh, two more, actually. Uh, God had breathed the breath of life into mankind in Genesis 2, verse 7. Uh, you won't probably see that up there. But uh, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, they say, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, that my and that my soul knows very well. We are fearfully and wonderfully put together inside the womb of the mother. That's how a child is made. It's not a fetus. There's the technical term for that, but that's it's a human being. Jen just said that she saw a commercial on TV, and it was, um, I'm going to botch the whole thing, but it was basically uh, a mother that had uh, mother that had uh, found out she's pregnant and she's showing when she goes to the doctor and they look at the ultrasound, they say, hey, do you want to see the fetus? And then I think she has ultrasound pictures and wants to show the ultrasound pictures. I'm messing the whole thing up. Ultrasound pictures to somebody and they say, hey, do you want to see the pictures of my fetus instead of the baby? Right. That's what you're excited about. The little baby human being. Right. Then um, there's the uh, the ultrasound to be able to see uh, so that the, the little baby, um, uh, sorry, then there's the opportunity uh, to have the discussion with the older sister. And they say, are you excited to see the new baby feet, uh, the, the new fetus? And she said, that's a baby in there. It's a baby. That was from um, focus on the family. Uh, I mean, what a blessing, you know, guys, the fact that we're even doubting that human life exists Oh, you know, this is talking about God just said that he formed man and that he who has made man's mouth. So when Moses is saying, I can't talk very well, God's saying, I don't care. I made your mouth, you know, and, you know, you can say what you want, Moses. But this is God claiming, as the Bible declares, that God created man. You know, there's uh, there's something to be said for Believing after being presented with the the evidence of the Bible or teaching that God isn't the creator of all things and, and including uh, man, 
and uh, there's uh, if the, there's that belief that 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 God did not create, then what it is is it's calling God a liar, because God declared that He was the one that created mankind, and for anybody to claim that, hearing the truth, uh, if they haven't heard the truth, that's our cue to tell them. Um, but uh, if they have heard the truth, then we could say, well, now you're calling God a liar. You know, do you do you want to answer to calling God a liar and uh, saying that his word isn't true? I don't want anything to do with that. You know, our enemy wants us and the world to question even the existence of God. Uh, and being unsuccessful in that, the enemy wants us to question where we even came from. You know, those are it's, it's crazy. There's a huge battleground uh, for for that. Right now, God makes it very clear. Moses, I don't care about your weaknesses. I don't care about your strengths. You're going to go do what I told you to do, and I'm going to give you everything you need. And, Moses, and the Lord has to tell Moses, I have made the tongue. I have given men the ability to speak. And uh, so uh, whatever uh, you know, you're dealing with here, uh, you got to get over. So here Moses is focused on his own weakness instead of trusting the Lord and his word, and that's never a good thing for us. Guys, if the Lord is calling us to do something, we can't argue with him and say, but I'm not. I don't have. I'm not just, okay, God, if he's laying something on our hearts, then we just trust him and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey, right? You know, God is the, the giver of gifts and abilities, and he's worthy of our trust regardless of situations. You know, the uh, um, I, Warren, Warren Wearsby had a, a good quote I wanted to share with you. It says, the humble servant thinks only of God's will and glory, not his or her own inadequacy, success, or failure. I'll read it one more time. The humble servant thinks only of God's will and glory, not his or her own inadequacy, success, or failure. And uh, that's a, a very uh, key thing when we see that he is arguing with the Lord based on his uh, perceived inadequacy. Verse 13 says, But he said, uh, O my Lord, please send uh, by the hand of whomever else you may send. This word, but, okay? This is that contrast again, right? So he's having this conversation. God's the, a, a conversation. God is dealing with his doubt, right? And the doubt is uh, being uh, dealt with here uh, where Moses says, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Literally what he's saying is someone else can do it better, God. No. <laughs> right? Oh, my Lord. Right? You can't say Lord and no to him in the same sentence. Right? <laughs> oh, my master. No. Right? <laughs> you can't. I want to obey my will, not yours, right? That's what's, That was the problem. You know, Moses' fear and his doubt and his rebellion are dominating his mind. And, uh, and this whole thing, and those th three things, his fear, doubt, and rebellion, are clearly seen in his statement. You know, he's telling the Lord, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy you want. I'm not the guy you need. I don't have anything here. And he's just really saying, I don't want to do this. You know, can't you send somebody else to do this? Like he's 80 years old. He's like, I'm old. I'm washed up. I don't, I don't know that we, we don't know everything behind, but he's sitting there going, can't somebody else do it? You know, he's having a, a, a an argument with the wrong one. And, uh, you know, this is a perfect example of God giving us more than we can handle. Like we've talked about, 
right? That, that saying that God will never give you more than you can handle. This is a lot more than an 80-year-old man can handle, right? God loves to do that because then we have to trust in him and rely upon him and we learn from him. You know, remember, Moses wrote the first books, five books of the Bible. So he's writing about his own stubbornness. And he's, only, uh, he's writing about God's graciousness towards him. You know, God wills and does according to his good pleasure. Verse 14. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. You insert your name in there, and it doesn't it get more horrifying to read that? So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, uh, and look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, uh, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and uh, with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall uh, take this rod in your hand uh, with which you shall do signs. So here Moses is stating that God, he was the one that got, got you know, that he got, was successful, sorry, in making God angry. That's quite a thing to say, like to confess. Yeah, I was the one. I made God angry. You know, <laughs> he's writing that down as he was told to by the Holy Spirit. So Moses is here talking to a, a bush that's on fire, and he still was not getting it. The argument was not going to be won. He was uh, to do what God told him to do, trust and obey him. And, uh, you know, the Lord calls us to do the same. You know, we may not understand. We may not want to do whatever it is, but God is calling us to obey him just like he did with him. You know, we, I think oftentimes we like to have people with us. You, you know, what that reminded me of is, you remember being in like middle school, you could never go to the bathroom by yourself. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but uh, maybe it's because I have uh, three daughters. But, you know, it's just whenever they got to go to the bathroom, they go in the bathroom in packs, right? You know, I got to go to the bathroom. Let's all go, right? It's just something to do. And everybody's going to talk while one or two or three are using the bathroom. And, and uh, it's, it's just funny how that works. But it's often the same. We don't want to just walk out with the Lord by ourselves. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're scared to do something. God loves it when we go just say, you know what, God, you've told me to do this. I'm going to step into this. And I trust that uh, you're going to provide and that you are going to lead me. Uh, you know, that answer that I need to give the coworker or um, the ability to, to share with this family member or whatever God is leading us to do, uh, we just need to trust him instead of saying, God, can't you send somebody else? No, if you're the chosen vessel to do it, we've got to do it, right? Um, you know, there, there are things that, uh, that come up that, that, uh, you have to deal with. I've dealt with them in this position. I've dealt with them in my past, uh, you know, job and in my, my current job that I have outside of here. There are things that you have to just say, I don't want to do this, but I have to do it. And you just do it because we're supposed to, you know, and, and so this, this conversation is getting to the point where the Lord is, you know, saying, you know, you, you need to trust me. And uh, and God in his anger said, is not Aaron, you Levi, the brother. And I don't know. This is just me digging. You know, I know that he can speak well. You know, <laughs> that's not the Lord saying, you know, oh, well, there's one that can, he's he's telling Moses like, OK, if we're going to play this game. I'm going to give you Aaron. I know he I, I wonder if there was some sarcasm there. 
is what I'm saying, right? You know, I know he can speak well. I don't know. I don't want to imply that uh, outside of the scripture, but um, when I read it, that's what I, I kind of look at. So so he demands uh, that that God use somebody else. And God said, no, you're the guy for it. But since you're whining, I'm going to give you Aaron, and uh, your brother, and uh, he's going to be able to speak. And uh, what we see is that Aaron was a help to Moses at times, and he was uh, hurting, hurting Moses, and he wasn't so helpful at other times uh, to, uh, to what was happening. You know, um, And I wonder what, what uh, blessings Moses probably robbed himself of uh, because he wasn't obedient in this. But uh, either way, despite the hardships along the way, um, uh, there are, uh, like I said, there are times where Aaron was helpful, but there were definite hardships that he was not helpful for. And uh, one of them being um, that in Exodus 32, where uh, Aaron caved into the demands of the people because they thought Moses was dead, and he led them into idol worship. And uh, so there's one of them. And, you know, a lot of people died that day. Aaron didn't die that day, by God's grace. Uh, but uh, Aaron had had folded. So we see that he's um, he's a strong orator, but not so strong as a leader. Aaron and Miriam in uh, Numbers 12. I'll read a few verses to you. They'll probably be coming up here. Uh, they, Moses had just dealt with everybody whining about the food. And that was when they were saying the leeks, the onions, and, you know, the garlic. Oh, you know, they're making that type of claim, right? And Moses is like, oh, my goodness. So, you know, God gets angry with them. And there's this whole thing. And then right in the next chapter, his brother and his sister just start acting up. And uh, verses 2 and 3 of Numbers 12 say, So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? This is Miriam and, and Aaron there. Uh, has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. They're boasting and being prideful, and Moses is humble. You see the difference between the two. You know, so, you know, then what happens after this is God called Moses, Aaron, and Miriam in for a meeting in the tabernacle. And God came down to meet with them. And he called uh, uh, Aaron and Miriam uh, forward to speak with them. And he explains that Moses is his special tool, that God has uh, put, uh, you know, ordained him and used him mightily in, in questions that, like, you know, he said that Moses is faithful in all his house and that he speaks um and he sp uh, spoke plainly and directly to Moses. You know, he's saying, look, if you understand who Moses is and how I'm using him and that I, I speak directly to him, you need to understand that you need to have some reverence for this man in your life. And, he, and God said that he speaks plainly to him, not in a dream or dark sayings, uh, that, that Moses, uh, you know, sees the form of God. Why are you not afraid to, uh, to speak against him? You know, this is they're getting a, a, a spanking right now. You know, this is a bad thing that's that's happening for them. And God's anger was aroused and Miriam was instantly leprous as snow. Uh, that's awful. Leprosy was a death sentence and uh, you were going to rot to death and get infections and end up just dying. And uh, uh, she's covered in leprosy. And uh, they're all freaking out. There's this, this craziness happening here. And Numbers 12, verses uh, 11, and then uh, 13 and 15. Uh, so when uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron 
uh, verse 11 says, So Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and uh, in which we have sinned. Yeah, that was a bad mistake, bud. You know, and uh, and look at Moses. Moses, I told you so. Now she's got to live with it for the rest of her life. Look what Moses does. He intercedes for her, right? Um, you know, that's a that's. You know, a lot of brothers and sisters. There's a lot of contention between brothers and sisters in life, aren't there? You know, here they are questioning him. He's trying to do all this for God, and here they are, the ones that are supposed to be supporting him. And they're saying, yeah, who's he? We're, we're special too. And uh, God puts them in their place with this. So Moses, verse 13, uh, cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her, I pray. Oh, oh God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had put had, had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. I mean, that that's pretty crazy, you know, to, to think of, of uh, what was happening here. So God said, yeah, you know what, here, here comes Aaron, and you're going to get Aaron but it's not all going to be roses for you. You know, there are going to be some problems that if God doesn't say that, but we know being able to look back, you know, in the hindsight and we see that, that, yeah, you want somebody else. Well, you got somebody else and now you got to deal uh, with more people rather than it's the same thing, guys, right? The children of Israel, they're afraid uh, because they don't have a king. So they want a king to put in there. Moses is afraid because he doesn't want to be the one talking and uh, he demands, you know, well, can't you send somebody else? And in his doubt, you know, the Lord says, fine, you can have uh, Aaron. And it's another thing that doesn't work out perfectly as it would have uh, with the Lord. So Mo Moses had everything available and that he needed in life directly from God, yet he insisted that he didn't, is what what's we see here. You know, this led to struggles in his life. Again, trust and obey the word of the Lord. Verse 19, so Moses went and returned uh, to Jethro, uh, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. So Moses uh, seems to be done with the arguing with the Lord at this point. Um, and he returns to Jethro and approached him about going back to Egypt. And Jethro gives him his blessing and says, Go in peace. The Verse 19, now the word of the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these uh, those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not uh, let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So uh, he receives, Moses receives the command of the Lord to go and return. Uh, to Egypt. And uh, those who wanted to kill you were dead. It's time for you to go back. Then Moses took his family and, and uh, was uh, on the way. And, uh, you know, he learned his lesson and he was um, 
told to go, and he went. And uh, the Lord told him that when you go to Egypt, go before uh, uh, go before Pharaoh and do the wonders that I empowered you to do. And he says that I will harden his heart. Uh, reading the scripture that can really throw us off. That's that's one there that uh, if you're not if you don't understand the Lord in the, the context of the scripture, you can get really derailed by looking at that. Um, but we have to look at who Pharaoh is. He's not a vessel of the Lord. Uh, Pharaoh was a brutal dictator, and he was oppressing God's people. Uh, he, uh, the, the Pharaohs had murdered uh, Israel's children and forced them into slavery. And uh, what we see here is that they were being beaten, and uh, they were being uh, oppressed uh, by this man. He's a wicked man and a very hard man already. And uh, when you uh, when you see what's happening here is that uh, his his heart is already hard and uh, God is, seems to uh, just uh, let the circumstances uh, take his heart further into uh, being hard. It's kind of like that when when you uh, consider that uh, where the scriptures say that God gives those uh, over to a debased mind uh, in Romans chapter one. Where it talks about they're they're re, re, um, rejecting the word of God and God has given them given them uh, in their perversion over uh, to a debased mind and uh, it's the same uh, type of a of a digression in somebody's life you know uh, God chose uh, to judge him for his wickedness you know we can't look and say God is an unjust judge because he judged this man for his wickedness uh, this this man was part of uh, he was like I said a very cruel and brutal dictator. And, um, you know, God isn't just in the, we know from God's nature when we read that he's not just in the, in the, uh, the practice of, of just wiping people out. That's not what he wants. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? This man rejected the Lord in his life. And, uh, and we'll see him actually reject God, uh, when he hears about him, uh, a little bit further in our study here. So, uh, you know, this was an exceedingly wicked man. Uh, that was due God's judgment for the sins against God's people. And uh, so when we're considering this, Romans 9 verses uh, 17 and 18 say, For the scripture says, uh, to the, uh, says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and on whom uh, and whom he wills, he hardens. So, if if you're struggling with that, we need to consider who this man is, and where uh, God says that I have chosen to show my power in you, and that my name will be proclaimed in all the earth. A wicked man deserving to be uh, uh, you know, cast into into hell. When you consider Romans three twenty three says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal. Uh, gift of, of God is eternal life in, in Christ Jesus. But if you if you just consider there, all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. So when you consider those two things, this man deserved hell. That's what he deserved. We deserve hell for our sin. Christ is the one that stands in that gap between us and the Lord, right? You know, God was was not unjust to be merciful and gracious, but he's not obligated to be either of those either. And this man was so hard in his heart, and the Lord just says, you know what, if he wants to be this wicked and brutal, I'm going to use him to show my power. 
Remember Genesis 15, this is all part of what God said was going to happen. God told Abraham that he would judge the nation. Uh, remember, we're going to look at it right here. Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14 says, Then he, God, said to Abraham, or Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and uh, they will afflict them 400 years. Look at verse 14. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. The nation they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. I know we've looked at that scripture a few times recently, but it very much applies in what we're doing. So that's why you see it again. But Pharaoh and uh, his nation oppressed Israel for a long time, and they benefited from abusing and murdering uh, the, these people. And God uh, had uh, made up his mind uh, that what he was going to do um, to Pharaoh. Verse 24. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. So this is one of those things like as you're reading, you just read and hardened someone's heart and then you get to hear and you're like, wait a minute. He's doing what God's telling him to do. But here's now now God seems to uh, it says that God sought to kill him. Now, I'll just stop there and say if God wants one of us dead, he doesn't have to try. OK, we saw that with Ananias and Sapphira, right? They, they were trying to trick God and, and, and look all uh, like they were all on board and they uh, that they were obeying uh, the Lord and they loved everybody and everything. And God said, no, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Boom. The breath left their lungs. You know, their life was sucked away from them. Boom, boom. Instantly. You know, three hours in separation from one another. But they dropped instantly and died. God, if God wanted Moses dead, he would have died. He was making a point here. So uh, verse 24, and it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely uh, you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him, he, God, let him go. Uh, then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. So it seems that somewhere along the way, they made the conscious decision to not obey God's covenant that he had made with Abraham. And uh, they didn't cir uh, circumcise their son. Was it Zipporah that was against it? We don't know. The, that's It's not really there. We don't really need to dig into it. But, uh, but we do know that was the problem. And it seems there was uh, more to it that we don't know. And it appears to be a blatant disregard for God's word. And, uh, you know, Moses uh, was the one held accountable, right? God wasn't after Zipporah. Moses is the leader of his family. And uh, that's the one, uh, he's the one that God went after. <clears throat> Ultimately, when you look at this, you, know, you can't move forward if we're in obedience. We're, sorry, if we're in disobedience to God. If we're disobeying God, we are not going to move forward in our lives with the Lord. We're going to be stuck. And to not be moving moving forward means we are in a state of backslid. You know, we're ne we're never like stopped. It's not like you're at a stoplight waiting, right? You're either you're either rolling backwards or you're moving forward. And that's it. You know, that's why they call it backslid, right? If we're not moving forward with the Lord, if He doesn't have our whole hearts and we're not wholly surrendered to Him, then uh, then we're in a spot that's that's very dangerous for us. How easy is it to slide backwards, right? I remember as a kid, my friend and I. Um, we're, uh, we were uh, playing on a slip and slide and, uh, and we're, you know, putting water on it, of course, trying to make it super slippery. 
we made the bad decision of trying to walk up it. Okay. And if I remember right, my, my older brother came out and grabs my buddy and chucks him down it as I'm trying to walk up it. Right. And I fell and I smashed my nose. It's the only time I've ever had a bloody nose in my life. And that hurt. Right. But it was so much easier for me to slide down that thing. You know, it's so easy for us to just, just, you know what? I don't want to do what God's calling me to do. I'm just going to not do it. And what happens is spiritually, we, we are, we're stunting our own growth. Remember, as kids, my parents would tell me, don't drink coffee. It's going to stunt your growth, right? They didn't want us drinking coffee. Yeah, but those there are certain things that are actually bad for us. Disobeying the Lord is the worst. <laughs> That's it. So there was something there and uh, that God wanted to address, and they knew what it was, right? They knew what it was that she grabs a sharp stone. Guys, that's not a pretty physical sight to think of. And we don't know how old the kid was when that happened. Either way, not fun. Okay? But she knew, and Moses knew. They, they knew that they weren't obeying the Lord at this point. Things seemed may seem to be going smooth in our lives, but God is faithful to chasten us. And that's uh, God corrects them right here. Verse 27, And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness and meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So God showing Moses that he keeps his promises and sent Aaron exactly to where Moses was. So verse 28, So Moses and Aaron uh, told all the words of the Lord. Uh, so, so Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord. Uh, who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. So Moses tells Aaron what's going on and the orders for the mission that they have ahead of them. Uh, they're uh, now obeying the Lord and serving him together. And they approach the elders as the Lord had directed them to do. Verse 30. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did, he being uh, Moses, then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So uh, the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worship. So uh, remember Moses saying, you know, God, what if they don't listen? You know, what if, what if they're not going to hear and everything? And God dealt with his doubt and he dealt with uh, what was happening uh, and preparing Moses for this moment. So the people listened exactly how God said they were going to. And it's a great lesson uh, for Moses and Aaron. Like, hey, you just need to do what I tell you to do, and you're going to find success in, in what I tell you to do. So, um, uh, you know, they knew that uh, what we see here is now the people knew that God was aware. And um, they heard that he was going to act on their behalf and deliver them. And their response is they bowed their heads and worshiped God. You know, and Moses uh, has Aaron along for the ride now. The people, the elders heard it. They were blessed by it. And now they're worshiping the Lord. And they, they bowed down and they said, you know, hey, we're ready to do this. Verse uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. So uh, elders are on board. The people are ready to follow now. Uh, verse 1 says, afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may uh, hold a feast to me in the wilderness. You know, this. Uh, I wonder if this was a, well, here we go moment, right? <laughs> Moses and Aaron, as they're going in, like, you know, 
we're, we're going to walk in. This is it. This is, this is where it all happens. And, you know, they don't mince any words. They cut right to the chase and they explain what's happening. And they say that God told them exactly, uh, you know, what he wanted. And they go into Pharaoh and uh, they're able to say it uh, to the Pharaoh. And uh, so they don't, they don't get cute with it. They don't try to, hey, we're going to try to pitch, go this way or that way. They just go in and they say what Moses uh, was told by the Lord to say. Verse 2 and Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So Egypt had served uh, many false gods, and Pharaoh didn't know who the God of Israel was, didn't care, didn't fear him. Uh, and uh, we know that by the end of this ordeal, uh, that Pharaoh will have a pretty good idea of who the God of Israel is, um, because they experienced some pretty awful things uh, as we as we progress through verse 3 so they said the lord uh, the god of the hebrews has met with us please let us go 3 days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the lord our god lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword they uh, you know so now they're getting more specific and they they ask again Verse 4, then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on them, uh, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. I mean, this is, wow, this is tough, right? Pharaoh just looks right at Moses and Aaron and says, why are you taking these people from their work? You got all these people behind you. What are you doing? All you're doing is making me mad. I'm paraphrasing here. And all they are is lazy. So I'm going to take away the straw. And, uh, you know, the and um, there. But I'm not going to reduce the quota. Now, uh, straw aids the drying process, a drying process. Uh, and uh, it also creates stability within bricks. So um, when you take that away, it's going to take longer for them to harden. So this this is quite a thing being placed on them. And what he's saying is, oh, you guys have time to waste. I've given you uh, I've, I've given you uh, a a command, and you must meet this. And if you're going to waste time, and you you, you obviously have uh, extra time on your hands, I'm going to make it harder for you. And you're going to have to go and do all these things um, by yourselves. We're not going to provide you with straw, but we're not going to reduce your quota either. And he says that they're false words. Do not that let them re regard false words. When he pulls all his taskmasters together and he tells them what to do here, don't let them regard false words. He's calling God's word false, and that's a big mistake. You know, that's the way he's considering God's word. Verse 10, and the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get yourselves straw where you can find it. 
yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble uh, instead of straw. This is the man that God said he's going to harden his heart. This is a wicked man. Verse 13, and the taskmasters forced them uh, to hurry, saying, fulfill your work, uh, your your work, your, your daily quota, and when there was... Uh, as when there was straw. Also, the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh uh, Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? So the taskmasters break the news to the people of Israel, and they're told they're going to do the same work. They actually get all this this news, and, uh, and uh, now the people are scattered. They're looking for stubble in a hurry. You know, they had the the the, the um, straw provided for them before. Now they don't have it. And now they're panicking. They have to go get all this. And as they're getting it, they're getting beat. They're getting told to hurry. Uh, you know, their their leaders are getting beaten. This is a bad situation. And it was it was bad, now it's gotten worse. And uh, you know, they are told to fulfill their work, make your daily quota. As uh, there, as though there was straw. That daily quota, they don't make it this day, then they're not going to make it the next day. They're going to work harder each day, right, to get that quota. And if they don't get it, you know that's 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 awful. And they're beating the Israelite leaders over them, adding to the burden. You know, uh, when you when you consider what's happening here, the demand of Pharaoh, the cruel ruler, and the oppression that he, that he has, the the power he has over their lives. If you consider that and you kind of look at it, and we've discussed that, that Egypt and Pharaoh can be looked at as a type, a representation of sin in our lives. Consider what sin does in our lives, right? Sin never just sits there. It's never just, just dormant sitting there. It's never like, oh, uh, a sin, I'm just going to sit right here. It's constantly growing. It's constantly demanding more, right? That's how sin works. It always gets worse. It always does. It always gets, and there's a, a constant digression in how sin works. And, you know, when you consider, I'm going to remove what you need. Okay, you're going to need this to get that, right? And when that's not there, it's, it's more burdensome. Now you don't have what you need. Whatever that is, you can, you can, I'm not even, like, whatever X is, whatever that thing is. Oh, well, you don't have enough money for that. Well, now you need that and you need money. How are you going to get that when you can't work? You see, you see the the how the direct correlation and how those come together. Demanding more brings about more stress, more desperation. That's what's happening here in their lives. This desperation is just getting uh, the the fuel uh, is just being poured on this fire, and uh, the the desperation's growing, and they're getting oppressed, they're getting beaten, and it's just an awful situation. Verse fifteen. Then the officers. Uh, the children of Israel cry out, uh, cried out to Pharaoh, saying, "Why are you dealing thus with your servants? Uh, there is no straw given to your servants, and uh, and they say to us, make brick. Indeed, your servants are beaten, uh, but the fault is in your own people." Now, that was a bold thing to say. You know, the Israelites uh, overseers had had enough, and they go to Pharaoh, and they're like, "This is all your fault. You want the bricks, and you're not giving us what we need to break uh, to." To meet that quota, you know, they need the supplies to make the brick, you know, but you you won't give it to us, but you want the same result. 
my old job, I worked for 18 and a half years in military recruiting, and there were times of great provision. And in that great provision, oftentimes it wasn't hard to make a quota. Um, recruit, military recruiting, you're only supposed to be in it for three, four years maybe. 18 and a half years was pretty tough at times. And uh, that's, that's what I did. And, and um, there were times where we wouldn't have what we needed to be successful in what we needed to do. And I would have to go to my leadership and say, hey, national leadership isn't giving us what we need so that we can be successful in our mission. Because there was always question like, how come you know this branch is doing this and they're doing this? And I'm going, maybe because we're one-eighth their size. You know, we have seven people. They have 56 people on their team. You know, that's that's quite a difference. And they only had like double our goal, not eight times our goal. You see the difference? You have to have the guys. It, you know, sometimes it was getting to the point where, uh, you know, I, we really didn't have any of the physical needs, business cards. I was I was having to fight to get business cards. And I told my boss, I'm like, I'm not fighting for that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. So I told everybody on my team, take a picture of your, your business card, a really good one, crop it and use a digital business card. Boom, done. You know, hey, what's your, what, you talking to somebody? What's your number? Boom, you text them and now they have your business card. You don't have to get these embarrassing, you know, things that we had to cut out of paper or whatever. You know, sometimes that's just how it is. You know, when you, you can't expect somebody to meet a goal when they don't have the tools they need to do it. That's what's the same here. And that, that applies really anywhere in life. But so when they go to Pharaoh, they're going with it to him with some pretty, pretty good uh, feedback. The verse 17. But he said, you are idle, idle. He says, therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work for no straw shall be given to you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers and the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said. Uh, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. So they knew they were in trouble. Pharaoh's response was just to call them lazy, uh, and uh, he mocked their request to worship God, and Pharaoh reiterated that they were to make the same amount of bricks with no supplies. Um, they, uh, they're in a bad situation, uh, and uh, they, uh, they have an unreasonable goal, and uh, that, that master over them uh, was, was very cruel. And like I said, when you when you look at this, you can see the ties to sin in our lives. Can't be reasoned with sometimes. Unless we say, you know what, I serve a greater master now. I serve a new master, Jesus Christ. And we submit our will to him. Then the burden is lifted, right? Then we have the tools we need, the Holy Spirit, in our lives to give us victory in our lives. Verse 20. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there. Uh, to meet them. This was not a pleasant greeting. You know, they just they they just got got a, a, a verbal tongue lashing from Pharaoh, and they come up and they said to them, "Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us an abhorrent, uh, made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a, a sword in their hands to kill us." So they weren't excited to see him, and uh, uh, they said that God was judging, was going to judge. Moses and Aaron, you know, they didn't acknowledge God's commission here. Uh, so they're like, oh, yeah, the first at the first sight uh, of, of opposition, they're all ready to turn back. And uh, so they go in and Moses here. Uh, it, it gets Moses. You know, he's got everybody turning on him and he goes to the Lord. 
And uh, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought uh, uh, brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done uh, evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So Moses gets upset and questions God. Uh, there are going to be times in our lives we're going to have questions for God. I guarantee you, based on the scripture and everything I've experienced in my life, it's never God failing, ever. God does not fail. He's incapable of failure. All right? I'm not just walking around as a, as a uh, brainwashed, mindless person sitting up here and saying that God is incapable of failure. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. If you know everything and you have all-powerful and you're, you're omnipresent, you're everywhere. I mean, it's impossible. The problem lies in man. They had a little bit of, of, of resistance. And it was, I say a little bit, but in the grand scheme of things, they're, they're, this is their first resistance they're having here, and they get upset. And he goes and he asks the questions, why have you brought trouble on Israel? Why have you sent me? You know, one uh, encouragement I have is, if God has sent you, no matter what we face, stay the course. We have to stay the course for what he sent us to do. We're, you know, If there's going to be opposition, just trust in the Lord and move forward. It says, for since I came, Pharaoh has only done evil. You haven't delivered your people. Moses forgot what God said. Remember what God said in, in chapter 4, verse 21. It says, and the Lord said to, to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. Behold, I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Moses forgot that. He just he just got told that, and he forgot it. We are forgetful. We need to meditate on the word of God and see what he says. And he goes on to say in verse 22, Then you will say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, I will kill your son, your firstborn son. Pay attention to the word of God. He was being prepared for Moses, to, for Pharaoh, to, to act in this way. And he forgot all about it. As soon as everybody came back, Moses had forgotten all about that. You know, if we are paying careful attention to the word of the Lord, it's going to save us a lot of grief and save us from misunderstandings. You know, the times where we can say that it's going to save us from telling God he's not listening. One, uh, two more verses for you. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 are passages, I should say. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have uh, asked of him that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If you go back to 14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will. Lord, you've told me to do this, then we move forward. If we know what his will is, we just move forward and know that he hears whatever we're saying and when we cry out to him. God is not slack concerning his promises. He's not. I'll, I'll leave this. We can't end with, it with that. We're going to read one verse in Exodus 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Right. You're going to drive them right out, right? He's going to keep driving and driving right into the... the okay, I can't, I can't give it up, right? 
It's going to go right into the Red Sea, foot right on the pedal, right? God heard, God knew, God had prepared them. The importance here is trust the Lord, obey him, know his word very well, and follow it and be obedient to it. And as we do, we will find strength in time of hardship in our lives and we'll find victory in doing what he calls us to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are so faithful to us and that you have created us and that you love us, and that you provide for us, that you keep us, that you lead us. Lord, help us to trust you and obey you, to know your word, follow it, and trust in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.